Welcome to episode 47, featuring Kenny, Blues Boss Wayne. Music, athletics, arts, and entertainment. The Desert Tiger Podcast with Colton Geschwagner. And, of course, that is me, your host, here on every episode of the DTP. My name is Colton G, and welcome to beautiful November. This episode drops on November 1st of 2018. November 1st also happens to be my birthday, so I'm extremely excited to get this one out here. Like I said when we kicked things off, my guest today is Kenny, Blues Boss Wayne. Inspiration in perspiration. That's what it takes to be a genius and a blues boss. Kenny Blues Boss Wayne is living proof with decades of playing, countless globetrotting tours, and a slate of acclaimed award-winning albums under the belt of his flamboyant zoot suit. The 74-year-old piano master might be the hardest working blues man in show business, and this true original isn't changing his tune on his top-notch 10th album, Inspired by the Blues. Having been released on September 28th on Stony Plain Records, Inspired by the Blues finds the Boogie Woogie Hall of Famer applying his deft touch and tremendous talents to another slate of top-notch originals with the help of special guests like harmonica player Billy Branch, guitarist Duke Robilliard, and B.B. King's longtime bassist Russell Jackson. The self-produced set serves as a throwback to 50s rhythm and blues while putting a fresh spin on the genre. So of course we're going to be playing you a couple tracks off of Kenny Wayne's brand new album, the first, we're going to be getting a little bit funky with How About That, and in the middle of the show, we're going to be playing you a track called I Knew I'd Be Playing the Blues, which is sort of Kenny's life story set to a 12-bar shuffle. It's an approach he's honed over the course of six decades of music, born in Spokane but raised in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New Orleans. Wayne was a child prodigy in his minister father's youth choir, eventually turning from the Lord's work to the devil's music. He took up the blues, borrowed his nickname from legendary influence Amos Milburn, got a few fashion tips from Jim Carrey in The Mask, and the blues boss was born. How about that? Grandma's in the kitchen, grandpa's in the plow, no but I don't know how Wayne and a slave became a free man Saw the future bought farmland How about that? How about that? Worked every day Worked your fingers to the bone Hardly made a dollar Didn't even own a phone Preached on Sunday With a gift of what to say Thank you. 
nation, no matter what it costs. How about that? How about that? They paid the way for a better day. They plan the future for what we have today. How about that? here with the man Kenny the Blues Boss Wayne how is it going today sir fantastic beautiful day um yeah gorgeous day and I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with you awesome I am looking forward to chatting with you as well of course you are just off the release of your 10th album inspired by the blues But of course, I want to get into a little bit of the history before we get to the new album. Is that all right with you? Sure. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, where do things start out for Kenny, the Blues Boss Wayne? Because I know that today, when we're calling you, that you're out in Kelowna, but you were born in the States, Mm -hmm. and you spent quite a bit of your childhood traveling around, losing learning piano, did you not? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I was born in Spokane, Washington. Uh, and from there we went to New Orleans and uh, and then back and forth from uh, San Francisco to Los Angeles. So I, I would say I spent most of my time probably in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, my schooling and stuff uh, there. Uh, my last stateside resident was San Francisco, so yeah, I, I had a little, uh, a little bit of a uh, start down that way. I don't know much about uh, Spokane. I was, on, I, I think we left when uh, you know, I was seven months old, or eight months old. So yeah. there's not much history I've got there. Mm-hmm. It's mostly uh, in the Bay, you know, in the California. Okay, so it was uh, California yeah. when you actually started to pick up music. Yeah. Yeah, that's when I yeah I I took my first lesson and was the same. but then I was a minister so uh, you know it's just uh, so many years in one church uh, and then uh, moving on so we we started off in uh, San Francisco uh, so I was the last one I took my first uh, my first lesson uh, but my but my musical career uh, began in Los Angeles. Okay. With your dad being a preacher, does that mean that like the first genre of music that you would have been introduced to would have been gospel then? Yeah. Yeah. That was that was the that was my foundation. 
was the was the gospel. Um, from then on, it's, everything is kind of bounces from there. You know, it's kind of the, the basic foundation, especially for Afro Americans that that were down that uh, would would start from the uh, the gathering of the church sermons and the music that came from the, those churches, kind of spread out throughout the community and into churches and clubs and what have you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the so the gospel was yeah, gospel was my foundation. I, I did take you know a few lessons uh, from a church choir uh, director. Um, about three years, but most of it, uh, when we moved from San Francisco to Los Angeles, and uh, I became part of the uh, youth choir, and the youth choir, uh, we sort of uh, did songs by, by uh, where it's pretty much, we went through something that was a little bit different than, than the senior choir, uh, which we did mostly from the hymns that we, that we were singing from, but uh, youth choir, we were we were able to 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 uh, kind of spread our wing out a little bit and be the the uh, young singer. So that's why I picked up a lot of uh, music by ear because we didn't have music to read. So we put on a record, and that's during my part. They, the choir starts singing, and that's way it's going in for the rest of my musical career. <laughs> Okay. Was there like a initial backlash for you once you started to get influence from other types of music? Um, there, there was. I, I'd probably say part from my, my father probably was as pleased. Um, however, um, he did like a he did like the band. He was really in Haley Jackson and, and uh, 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 a lot of the uh, local gospel groups, um, staple singers. And, uh, but the big bands like Duke Ellington, Count Basie, it was pretty much okay with that. That was, that was I guess you could consider sophisticated jazz, sophisticated blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Williams, and it was a little bit more, uh, you know, it was a little more more sophisticated. I think it was a little bit, he called it more elegant, sophisticated blues. But he, he didn't mind that. It's the down home, the bucket, down and out, the kind of blues that he did, right? Really, uh, um, didn't appreciate it. And we didn't, we didn't have those records. My mother, now we had those records. She had she, the best kind she liked. She was a little bit more of a, a, a social. Uh, uh, she was in a lot of so, social groups, so, uh, you know, party type of ladies. And uh, so they were more interested in, in uh, you know, the, the, I don't know, the, the, uh, the blues, R&B, um, shouting kind of blues that he was, she was going in restaurant. So there was kind of combination. So I, I'd have to go up, we'd have to actually play that music when my father wasn't at home. Mm-hmm. Or I'd go to my uncle's house and he'd say, he had 
made all the time. So we, we had a couple of choices to, to hear. And, and I have uh, a lot of my, my, my mother's friends love to hear that music. So when uh, whenever they did throw a party, when we had a piano in the house, she'd go and get me in some boogie woogie for them, you know. So it, 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 it kept alive in the house. It, it was only I played my father was uh, in the house. So that was, you know, it was it was gospel music when he was there, and the other kind of music, every other kind of music, uh, was fine uh, when he wasn't. Okay, so your uncle and your mother definitely had a huge influence on your musical direction, then. Yeah, yeah, because they were, you know, they they were party people, and uh, 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 and my mother used to give me tips. You know, she she'd put uh, a dollar in my pocket on so that was fun for a young guy like me at the time that. That these these ladies and their friends would come in and they would put uh, a dollar bill or fifty cents on on the piano for me to play. You know, my my, my father's friend would, wouldn't dare go there. My mother's friends, so it was fun playing uh, for her 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 guests, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, because it was it always put a little money in my pocket. That that was great. From performing in front of your mom's friends and your uncle, like, where did you go from there? Like, did you start gigging out with various blues musicians, or did you stay within the gospel scene for a little while? Because it took, like, it took about 20 years or so until you actually released, like, your actual first solo record, did it not? Oh, yeah. Well, I was, um, I would say from... Oh, let's see. From 1961 um, to, I would say, uh, was in San I was in Los Angeles. Um, playing there in, I would say, 72 on there for maybe 10 years. I was doing, I wasn't doing blues. I was doing a variety of stuff. Basically, dance music, you know, because that, that was, that, was uh, you know attracted uh, people, uh, younger people, especially my age folks. You know that want to hear some Motown, they want to hear some dance music. They weren't really interested in blues. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like our parents' music, right? So that that, that was a little bit dated. Uh, so I would say for the first few years, I I, I played uh, a lot of jazz. Played a lot of Latin music, uh, Afro-Latin uh, music, and uh, um, and uh, and rhythm and blues. You know, sort of. Uh, I, yeah, one more rhythm and blues. I would say we really get to the Motown stuff. Everybody and, and at that point, I was singing, so I was just pretty much a piano player playing, backing up, you know, do rock bands and and, and and stuff like that. So. Um, that that lasts for, 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 for ten years of, of that. So it's kind of a very good learning experience. In addition to doing the gospel music, so I had pretty much rounded um, education for as music, um, jazz, Latin, gospel, uh, and R and B. So. 
address the the scene um, in the Los Angeles area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, and then at that point, I started, I started realizing that you don't give much attention if you don't sing, and um, and the singers were getting all the attention. So I thought, well, I'll be able to learn how to sing, and um, and then that's when I actually. I mean, I was singing in the choir, but I wasn't really singing, you know, in front of the band. And uh, so that's when I actually started really getting into vocals. Around 70, around 72. Yeah, that, that was pretty much pretty much at, at that time, just learning how to sing. And, and, and singing while, while uh, entertainers I like to be like, like Ray Charles, who was singing, Bash uh, Domino was a piano player singing. Richard was a piano player singing. Um, uh, you, you know, um, it was just a variety of of, of uh, uh, piano players that, that I liked, and uh, and their music. And I thought, well, they're singing too. So that, that that's you know, Billy Preston, uh, Sly, Sly Stone, all those guys were singing and they were playing piano. So that that kind of woke me up as far as. Uh, Starting to sing and kind of getting a, a voice, some type of uh, direction. Uh, and then at that point, I started writing songs. So that takes me up to about 74. In 74, I went to uh, I, I quit work because I had, a, I had a job and I was going to school. So I didn't really, have, I didn't, didn't really plan on music as a, as a career, just as sort of a, a hobby. Um, and before is when I decided to go full time, uh, and I joined a band, um, the guys from England, and we put together a band, Earth Eyes, and went to San Francisco. And uh, I started there for a couple of years, <laughs> the band, um, and got you know job, and decided that uh, 1980 I would give another kick, and. Uh, um, and so 1980s when I really went full-time as a full musician. Um, at that time, I was writing songs, I was singing, and I was arranging, I was doing a lot of stuff with, with music. Uh, it kind of got me uh, to Canada, <laughs> where uh, I was playing a variety of dance, dance music with a lot of groups up here. I for I'm just giving you a brief history of uh, a quick uh, history. Yeah. Uh, 94, uh, when I went to Spain, I was still doing romantic music, a uh, variety of stuff. I was always pretty much well-rounded, but whatever they want to hear, I would play rock and roll, you know, R&B, ballads, you know, and, and this type of thing. 94 is when a gentleman from, from uh, England asked me to do a blues. And uh, I didn't know very many blues songs because I, I never really listened to uh, a lot of blues records. So I didn't know that, you know, like B.B. King or I knew Bobby Blue Van, a few of those guys. Uh, so I, I uh, uh, this song and uh, actually everybody really enjoyed it. And he kind of compared me with this guy named Champion Jack Debris, who I never heard of. And uh, he sent me some tapes and listened to them, and I saw some, I heard a little bit of similarity. 
Uh, and then I was just kind of coached into doing a, a, a blues album. Um, so I did my release in 94, 96, and I actually came out alive and loose. I started getting a lot of interest, uh, reviews, interviews, uh, and offers uh, to headline uh, festivals. And uh, I thought, well, this is just a thing I've been through for me uh, because I've, I've uh, from the years previously, I've always been respected by my peers and, and friends, and, and but I've never have ever been uh, documented, I would say, uh, with uh, magazines or views or anything like that, and uh, on record deals. I never really had, had that opportunity and I never looked that direction. So that was that was the that bumped me up to Chatham and uh, and from then on I here I am today, still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> still doing it. Yeah, and actually doing and and uh, I and I picked I actually picked the blues because I think it was an important niche for me to do and a reason that I went to the blues other than going into, you know, R&B, funky, or whatever other kind of music they had. Um, it kind of fit in there. There was a reason that being a, a piano player, um, that the people that, that I, I admired were, you know, rock and roll, blues, R&B. They, they were uh, well-known uh, for their their style. And I thought, well, this is great, because now... Uh, I can put my style out there, and I could have a band around the style instead of me being around someone else's style. Mm-hmm. And that, so that, that got that got me to the almost to the blues boss, but that got me to writing and getting some recognition. Of course, then I started getting nominated for for Junos and Maple Blues Awards and and awards down the states. Uh, Write ups in front of on, on the cover of magazines, and I thought. Uh, this is something that I really like. <laughs> this gives me uh, some uh, reason to to uh, uh, stay with this music. Yeah, definitely. It's after pursuing so many different things for so long and sort of being an accessory to someone else's voice and someone else's style, I would be very confirming for you after so many years I would feel to actually have that recognition yeah well it took, it took a while I mean I, you know it, it, sometimes you, you know you do things when you're ready to do them and um, and I, I had a lot of opportunities and I met a lot of people and, and I performed a lot of major acts um, and sort of saw how they were operating how the management was operating um, so there was there was some little idea, and and they gave me confidence, and I think that was the the important thing in having confidence in in using your name as the main thing um, versus say uh, an obscure name for a man, which could be anyone. But, but so that that was a, that was a kind of moment that. Uh, it sort of kind of clicked. And you clicked when I was in Spain. When I was in Spain, I thought, you know, this is, this is good. This is going to be okay. Um, and it worked out great. 
uh, no complaints whatsoever. It just, the only complaint is, I don't know why it took so long, but um, it takes as long as it takes. It's true. It's sometimes you're not exactly ready for that role until the opportunity actually presents itself. Yeah. Well, it's, and, and then through being a leader, it, it, then you're responsible for the rest of the musicians. And you're, you're, you're like raising kids, you know, and they're, they're all depending on you uh, uh, to, to, to help them survive. And sometimes it's just easier to survive yourself and try to sort of, you know, make a four or five piece band um, uh, survive. My dad used to tell me that uh, when I was really interested in music, he said, if you're going to be like a musician, be like Duke Ellington and Tom Basie. And so I, I, and I used to tell him, I said, well, I don't know how you expect for me to be having a 12, 13, 14 piece band. Like, you know, you get three guys together. So that, that has never been like a, a, an issue. I had used to always wonder, how in the world would they ever do it? I mean, how can you get a bunch of guys to follow a leader? It's got to be a pretty strong leader. I mean, it's difficult even, sometimes it's difficult even, and, and I'm, you know, been around for a long time to, to get people to, uh, out for the joy and just be devoted. You sort of have to have some jobs and uh, you have to have some something happening with you know business wise or be a really good go getter. So, uh, uh, so that's that's been that's been a, a kind of issue I used to try to consider. You know, find those strong people who who got their business together and. And uh, music, and I actually found out that because those people know what they want to do, and they have a direction, and everybody follows. The rest of the rest of it is just a matter of someone, you know, give a, a group of guys with five guys, and no one knows which, which way they want to go. One wants to go this way, and the other wants to go that way, and so you don't have a man. So it does take a, a, a focal point to, to to figure out which way uh, you want to go. And so that 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 point takes a long time, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it just clicks, and you got a bunch of guys, and they say, you know, we know exactly we're all on the same page. Bam, let's go. Yeah. So that's music business. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Sometimes everything just falls into place, and it works. Sometimes you have to have that strong leader that needs to motivate everybody because everyone else has their own lives going on and sometimes that may not be their highest priority yeah and that's the thing yeah and that's and that's the that's the uh the $64 question because everyone has these deep secret ideas that they want to be and sometimes you know it, it, it sinks it's, it's in sync, and sometimes it isn't. I've been with lots of different bands that were very good, but they didn't have a direction. Or maybe there <coughs> was an eagle that was hidden and came out and decided that it really go cool another direction that came with attention. Mm-hmm. So um, that that happens with a lot of bands. I mean, even bands that are, are you know 
very successful band. Once you become successful in it, you figure, well, okay, now I can bring down my own now. And uh, without the band. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true. It's it's hard to find all those right pieces for that puzzle because everyone yeah. has their own personalities and sometimes those things clash. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so um, having like stepping into the blues, like after playing for so many years, did you find that you had trouble finding your voice within the blues at first or because you had been practicing on your singing and everything else for about 20 years at that point, did you already sort of have oh. that comfort? Oh, I'm kind of losing you. Oh, uh, hello? There you are. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, it was, it, it was kind of cutting it out. All right. Uh, say it again. Okay, so I said, like, around 94, 95 was around the time that, like, you started playing the blues, but... Like, so having already been a musician for 30 years, did you find a trouble finding your voice within that blues genre? Or because you had already been working on your voice as a musician for 20 years, was that a little bit easier of a transition for you? Well, it was, it was, it was easy. Because uh, I was already singing. I was doing actually solos. So, you know, and so I was, I was actually uh, singing. There, there wasn't... Um, I, I think I think when I initially did my first record, uh, I knew that there wasn't a, 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 a big uh, uh, call for for a lot of blues in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's probably one one venue. So my 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 thought was um, outside, uh, or maybe uh, in Europe. And that, that was my that was my my first because I, I know it's really difficult in the states in the states a lot of you know usually they're, they're looking for someone who's been around for a while who's got a name so they're not really looking for someone just starting and uh, uh, so it it, it uh, I, I was so I started focusing more on on Europe uh, uh, where it, where I think the the opportunities was, was So I was kind of, I missed all that. So uh, I, I was 
I, I kind of put it out there just to see uh, if it would do anything. And uh, and actually it did. So that was kind of, you know, I wasn't totally paying him because I had to, I had to make some kind of an income. And a lot of places that I played, hotels, lounges, they weren't really interested in blues. They were interested in, in, in uh, um, kind of lounge music, you know, kind of, kind of uh, standards. Um, and, uh, I mean, you can kind of do the standards in a bluesy way, but it was just, there wasn't a blues crowd there that wanted to hear some blues. Uh, so my blues audience started in Europe and grew from there. Um, and then I started uh, investigating blues festivals, and they had several in Canada. So I started getting uh, uh, Vancouver, you know, uh, 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 Calgary, Edmonton, you know, uh, um, lots of them in Toronto, uh, Quebec. So I started getting it involved in, in, the, in the festivals instead of trying to find a blues venue. Mm-hmm. which was difficult. So that kind of got me, got me started with a larger audience. Um, uh, and that sort of happened for me quite a bit. And then I started doing a, a, lot of, a lot of that overseas as well. So, so that, that has paid the bills. Hmm. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, bills definitely have to get paid for sure. Um, so... As an American who lives in Canada and seems to have a larger following over in Europe, like, how do you balance all of that? Hmm. Uh, uh, well, I think that, uh, well, that's a good question, how to balance. Um, there's, I, I, I think basically people are pretty much the same to me. Everybody from here came from Europe somewhere, you know. So it's it's, it's not necessarily a different uh, uh, types of, of, of people. It's this it's a mixture of people. I, I think it's probably the the uh, the culture uh, in Europe is a lot older than here. So you know that they're, they're they're used to the celebrations. They're used to large gatherings. Um, so in France, there's, there's, there's just about every town has a festival, a uh, music festival, and they love their music. I think we like our music here too. It's just, I, I think it's probably more, more difficult to do it. You gotta have this, you gotta have a license for this, you gotta have all these, all these things that can, that can stop. Uh, and here we know they can go in the park and have it and not have any problems. Now here you gotta have a permit, you gotta have this, and you gotta have the police around, you gotta have all these different things. And the and the states is like that too. So I think there's a little bit more you got a little bit more freedom uh to to to, to have gatherings um in Europe and it's and it's always been that way. Where where artists would come out and they really be, they really are more concerned about the art of music more so than it is here. I think it's a little, it's a little more political here. And laws that, you know, you can't do, uh, can't do volume on this and that. And I, I'm sure they have it over there too, but I think, I, I think that there, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, traditional celebration they have in 
in Europe that is that is not like uh, uh, not so much like here in the, in the uh, North America. And this is the summertime, you know, that they try to have these events, and of course, that depends on you know people cannot make money, or it becomes a big money thing, and then people get money and we're there. It's it's you know everybody chips in, you know, and uh, make it kind of one big extended family event. So I think that's that's pretty that's pretty the the difference and uh, and like and like I mentioned you know they've been playing for many 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 years and that's sort of their tradition, uh, which is great because it you know it it allows them to hear other people from different parts of the world. Hmm. Um, so there's you know it's too bad Corona doesn't uh, appreciate that. I know I know the burden. Very in the big Penticton, they have their their events and they're really being really behind the, uh, the community uh, arts. Um, uh, they're really pushing it. I mean, Penticton has you know they have a jazz blues festival and or jazz festival, which they have blues artists in it. And and Brennan has a has a nice thing too. They have a nightclub. We used to have a blue gear, but that's sort of not a blues club anymore. So it's not really a venue for, for blues in Kelowna. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that, that like it, but there's not a venue. So they have to pretty much do like Vancouver and sort of follow the blues artists wherever they play. Yeah, you have to be really it's dedicated. Like, it's like, it's, yeah, and it's like that way in Vancouver, too. I mean, it, the, 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 the Yale's closed. And uh, there's a few clubs that they're having now that kind of open maybe one day of blues and the rest of the day of something else, country music or rap music and, and uh, or disco, I guess. And uh, so there's not really a venue. Um, so they pick the artist they like and the artist does all the promo and they go to the place. Sometimes they rent the place. And they have their performances there. So that's not a thing going on. Um, I think it's happening here. So it's it's scaled down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe because of um, the lot of laws, you know, driving and drinking and driving, and you know, people are, are, are cautious about that. So that that kind of. However, in in Kelowna, you got the wineries, which are really good for for performances. So. They're, they've really kicked in. Mm-hmm. You know, people sort of behave, behave themselves when they have a little sip of wine and they buy a bottle to take home with them instead of trying to drink the whole thing there before they leave home, right? Yeah. So, so, that, so the wineries have been really good for, I think, a lot of the live uh, venues in Kelowna or in Okanaga, I should say, pretty mm. much. Yes, definitely. I can agree with that for sure because it's something that I've found here in Kamloops too. Is like we literally have one venue that per that like fits the jazz blues like persona, but other than that, there's absolutely like nowhere for anybody to go if that's the style that they're trying to find. Right. Yeah, and that's that's the as the that's sort of the downfall. However, you know, if you're a blues musician, and there's a few here, you know, and I said, you know, no need to walking around being depressed, especially when you have a whole big 
globe. I mean, this whole, you know, if it doesn't happen in your city, you like to have it, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. Mm-hmm. It just means it's not happening here. Yes. It's happening somewhere else. So you got to go to where it's happening if you want to play this kind of music. Uh, because it's, it's kind of music is not what you hear on the AM thing. So it's not what you hear all the time. It's especially these stations that, you know, FMs and, and, and some of the college, you know, are doing some things. And uh, so you have to, you know, but there's the rest of the world is that, that just loves this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you just, you just have this kind of, uh, I don't know if you have the fact to live there, but you can definitely, you can definitely go there and, and get your kicks, you know. Um, uh, so, and, and entertain the people who, who love that kind of music. So I think it's, I think it's, the opportunity is, is good. I think it's, for, it's good for all genres of music, you know. I mean, even the guys that hit one hit wonders that they, you know, they go to Vegas and they do their shows. Some of the guys in the 50s, you know, they do their show. Maybe they, they might be in Japan doing really well. Uh, Whereby they used to be, you know, playing on the beach. Uh, so now they're in another country doing really well. So, uh, so the world has a, the world has opened up to blues, jazz, country, gospel. Uh, so it's it's uh, R&B, rap. Everything's kind of opened up now, so you can you can uh, you can do really well because you have to find your space, your spots. You know, I go I go to Russia, and I go out a lot of places. Say, well, this is a blues in Russia. I said, yeah, there's a B.B. King blues bar in Moscow. And uh, what I do play there, it, it's, a, it's a promoter that promotes. And so we played large theaters and venues like that. There, there, there's uh, outdoor music festivals uh, there. And, and uh, so the rest of the, the rest of the, you know, it's, it's, it's Spain is, is, is very good. They have uh, uh, music, uh, world music, they call it. I mean, it's music from all parts of the world. And, uh, and so you get, there's opportunities all over like that. You just have to just, you have to get on that plane or <laughs> go there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only time a plane coming to you, you have to go get it. Mm-hmm. You have to chase so, the opportunity.
We're going to take a small break before we ask Kenny the Blues boss Wayne all about his brand new album inspired by the blues. And of course, how his musical style has transitioned over the 23 years since the release of his first solo album way back in 1995. But of course, before we get there, I need to go ahead and say a big old thank you to you guys, the Desert Tiger listeners, everybody who has already subscribed to the show. Thank you so very much. If you are a new listener, maybe you want to go ahead and consider hitting the follow or subscribe button wherever you are. If you are enjoying this episode, maybe you guys want to give it a share, or maybe you want to be like one of our diehard fans who have gone ahead and copped themselves one of our Desert Tiger t-shirts. Because not only does it help you show your love for Desert Tiger, it helps put a little bit money in my gas tank so that I can go to places like Breakout West, wrestling shows, all sorts of different things, and get more content and bring it to you. Pretty much everything that you guys put into this gets reinvested back into Tiger, so you guys are literally helping fund this dream of mine. So thank you guys so very much. Okay, I've been pandering to you guys for far, far long enough here on this one, so how about we get to a little bit more of the Blues Boss, let's get to the first track off of his new album, he's going to be telling you a little bit about his life like he has been throughout this interview, but this way we're going to be doing it in music form in the track, I knew I'd be playing the Blues.
had some kids Took them to school Showed them what's right And not to be a fool They're grown up And got a family too They're proud of me And what I do And somehow Desert Tiger Podcast. So let's get into the new album here and your career as the blues. So how has your writing style in the blues and yourself as a musician grown and evolved since 1995's Alive and Loose up to this year's Inspired by the Blues? Um, I, I would say I started off um, with you know lifting and 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 uh, sort of sort of uh, oh, trying trying to find a sort of a niche um, in the blues. I mean, like, for a piano player, it's, it's a little more difficult than a guitar player because the guitar is more uh, accepted, accepted in the in blues channel harmonica guitar. Uh, so it was, it, it was it was easy it was easier for for them the type of instrument you play. The the, the piano has always been a sort of um uh associated with jazz jazzy type of stuff. So uh it was it was kinda of hard to define uh, a direction. I think um um, I started off, you know, trying to have some kind of similarity with some of the greats, which probably a lot of people do. They start off, I mean, you, you want to play with great people you like, right? And uh, so, you, you know, you're influenced. Um, and then after, after, I think, after that, after, uh, after, you know, 
about it, but I still do. Uh, and in my records, I, I, I give honor to Fast Domino, to Ray Charles, and Amos Bilber, and Johnny Johnson. Uh, so I, I, I get Nicholas Van. So I, I, I try to, I try to um, uh, include them, the style, if not them, that, that style in my recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think after uh, I do that for so many, so many years, you get the influence, especially when you get a chance to play with other people, you get other, you get different ideas. Um, uh, and then I, I started to home into my own. I had a little bit of uh, the gospelish, that was a kind of gospel blues. Um, those are very similar, uh, but. Uh, not trying to sound like this person or trying to sound like that person. Uh, but trying to find your own because you can't really, you know, sound as good as that original. But you can have your own originality and have a mix of a little bit of this and a little bit. I always call it a little bit of gumbo. You know, a little bit and a little that and a little this and it comes up a little different. And some people will pick out and say, "Oh yeah, well I like this rap," you know. So. Uh, you sound like that person, or like, you know, like him, so you sound a little bit like that guy. So that's that's kind of the way it's always kind of has been, you know, even the guys that that, that are uh, uh, are great, you know, there would always be someone that had done it before, and just uh, just trying to find your own, uh, your own niche. And sometimes, you know, I, I don't think it's, a, a, uh, for, for me, it wasn't a, a search to, I got to desperately find something else. It's just, a, just sort of a, it's, it's sort of naturally evolves into to, to your own thing and not trying to sound like that person, but just uh, a specific person, but just kind of playing what you feel in your heart. And, uh, and that kind of comes up, you know. Uh, I don't know exactly what style I would, I would say, but I know that. I know I have a mixture of uh, of a lot of stuff. A little bit, of, a little bit of Ray Charles, a little bit of Fast Domino, a little bit of, of all these people that I like, and I've kind of put them together in a song. I put them together in a style of playing, and I mix them all, all together. Well, that takes a little while to do. I mean, but uh, if you play as long as I play, you, you, you sort of do it. And it depends on what band you play with, you know. Certain bands bring out a certain thing, and you play differently. You don't play the same way with everybody. So it brings out, you know, your conversation is not the same with everybody. There's a little more in-depth, and some people just just talk, you know, just, just a friendly conversation. And so music, you sort of play that way. Uh, so uh, this this particular record uh, is is a little bit more in depth. I think where I was trying to to uh, show, I guess, different styles of piano playing throughout the and specifically the U.S. from the West Coast style piano uh, uh, blues. Uh, to a little bit of the New Orleans, there's uh, uh, Kansas City, uh, 
St. Louis now, which is kind of the place, uh, the West Coast, uh, and then the, the Chicago. So I want to, I want to, to, to show, to show in, in my inspiration uh, in having all those qualities on one record. Instead of me saying, well, this is going to be a strictly Chicago record, or this is going to be a strictly St. Louis record, or this is going to be a New Orleans record, or this is going to be a, 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 a Texas a, a West Coast type of uh, uh, smooth blues type of thing. So I put them all into one record. Uh, that, that was my goal. And that'll probably be my goal. Well, I, I have another goal that I wanted to, want to do. But at this point, for now, this is uh, what I wanted to do. Um, to, to, to sort of shovel different piano styles. Mm-hmm. Sort of mix everything together and make your own and mix it with your own voice and sort of show respect and homage to everything that sort of has influenced you across your career. Right. Exactly. The only, thing that, the only thing I have on my bucket list is what I want to do. I want to go even deeper my next record, and I want to do it in Africa. Oh, wow. And so so that that would be the, the original route uh, showing that, that rhythm, uh, that African rhythm with the voices and, and the rhythms with my piano playing, and, and I, I actually I've done it once within in uh, not recorded, but I've done it once in uh, in uh, France, and uh, it was a boogie boogie piano festival. But they had this one African group that they were actually playing some boogie boogie, but it wasn't on piano; it was on marimbas or whatever they call it. Not xylophone, but but they were doing a kind of that that thing about. Wow, no, I didn't know that they can do stuff like that. So uh, I kind of, I thought, well, the sound, that the, the the rhythms and the sound that they they were doing that really fit what I was doing. So I thought I could play some blues and kind of show how the blues started, you know, from the from the from Africa all, all the way over to the the U.S. And so mm-hmm. this this is my next um, in my bucket list. Which I've never done before, but that that, that gives me a they get taste, and I've got some songs that that goes along with with that. So that's what I'm working on now. Well, that's very ambitious, and it's actually giving me chills right now to think about that. Where it's like you, where you want to bridge that sound gap between continents and show just how far that influence goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what. I, that's, that's that's my next my next uh, my next thing, and that's really a, a deep rooted thing. Um, but they have a lot of really joyous rhythms, and that's that's great. I want. I always want to to keep things up up and joyous and, and hopeful, and mm-hmm. that that is what keeps the uh, that's my that's my my goal in in the in the music. And the blues music is, is to keep it up and, hope, and hopeful. And, uh, and even though there's a message uh, within it, but a hopeful message that 
is or it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna survive, it's gonna be good and mm-hmm. uh it'll make a few changes like everything else makes a few changes. Uh, but there's always that element in there. You can't can't really get rid of that. I mean if you if you go if you go away from that then you're on a different planet. But uh, as long as you keep that root you can you know, the branches can go out for 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 almost forever. You know, you can go back to that root. Almost attached. It's good. Yeah, without a doubt, it is. That's that's a really <laughs> amazing way to think about it. Yeah, well, that's 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 exactly, and and that's and that's why, uh, for me, the root has always been going back to gospel music. Mm-hmm. It, 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 gospel music, but it's, it, it all has that same. You know, everybody that I know, all the piano players that I know that that, that play piano, blues piano, have got their roots from the, from the gospel church. Now, there's some that, that some some great piano players that 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 are studied and 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 and, and, and uh, more like classical. Not so much the blues, uh, you know. You got more pop music and and, uh, and classical music. That would probably be the direction for them. But I know for for uh, for some downhill bluesers, it's, it's, they, they all have that church thing. And it came. Ray Charles is a, is, a, is a good example. That that movie Ray, right, where he's, he's playing all those songs and that they're. They're really gospel songs, and a lot of people realize they're gospel songs. He just changed the lyrics, and so they start dancing. I mean, they, you know, some of these churches, you have ever been to the church down in the south? Those people on the gospel songs, they get up and dance those gospel songs. So I know they, I know they do the same thing with two joints, exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just because it made them feel good, and so that's what music's supposed to do—make like you feel good. Yeah, when it reaches down to your soul and actually makes you want to jump out of your seat. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they do, you know, and they, and they do, they do. I had a, when I was, I, last week I was in Richmond, Virginia, which is, is outside the folk festival. It was the largest, it was the deep mothership of folk festival. It had 240,000 people for the three days. You figure about eighty thousand per day, which is quite a bit of people. And uh, this this folk festival was fantastic. They were they were they was, uh, I did a workshop and actually laid right next to me was Jerry Lee Lewis's sister, Linda, uh, you know Lewis. And uh, so we were, we were talking to the audience about music and talking about the devil's music. So anyway, they, you know, I say, well, that's that's a, you know, that, uh, that's the subject where uh, I'll make it real short. But I, I tell them that's a subject where that where it, it sometimes gets really a bad rap because blues is not really devil's music. They said the music is 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 listen is that is the deliverer the one that's, that has the has the uh, vision of of how they want people to perceive it, and uh, and so I gave them. I was I was. They played the song. I said, "Here, give me an example." 
we're going to do a gospel song. I did a gospel song. Like, you know, when I said Jesus, and, and, and uh, he lifts me in the sunshine and, and the stars and the like And so, <clears throat> I know there's a lot of, I know there's a lot of people on there that, 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 that are church um, boys. But anyway, so, and so, I played the same song, and I just changed it to this girl over here that uh, with the red dress on. And it's, you know, that, that dress is so short, you know, where you can see everything. And I kept the same music. And so now, that it was considered devil music. Mm-hmm. Only because I'm, I'm no longer singing about Jesus. I'm singing about, you know, trying to get lucky. <laughs> I'm, 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 thinking, I'm thinking of myself, right? Yeah. Well, the other one is thinking, you know. So, so I said, so if you mix that with alcohol, then you you get, you, 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 you get a tip, you have a fancy of jealousy will come in. Mm-hmm. So now you're, you're, you're talking about your mind someone's someone else's woman and he doesn't he, that person doesn't really appreciate you doing that and you're saying about it and so now there's going to be a fight <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I said so so now the music and the dreams now if everybody was singing uh, if everybody was if you had done that and everyone was sipping tea and coffee you'd probably just laugh that off Oh, he's being funny, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, he's over there. But now, as soon as you throw a little alcohol in there, now you can say the same thing. And then now, now these guys are in a brawl, you know, talking about my, talking about my woman. So, I said, so, the music is, is innocent. It's like a little baby. I mean, you would teach a little baby to be a little brat, you know, but basically, it's a little baby, so you, you, you're, you're, you're in control of that music. And so you're the kind of person that thinks that if you want to do detriment to someone, then you will say it that way. And uh, and so, you know, I had a lot of people come up to me after and they say, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And I said, yeah, well, you know, I mean, you always, you know, you always, it always interests people to have the, the good and evil fight each other. I said, but, but the music, I, and then I played, what, I played the song, I said, now, this sounds like devil's music. And I played a bit. I said, now, that sounds like devil's music because it sounds so so weary and, 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 and so painful. I said, but I, I think when you have a music that's up and rejoice, it makes you feel good. There's nothing wrong with that.
I guess I guess I'm maybe I'm a little more convincing being my, my father's friend who was a minister. Mm-hmm. But I, I never really wanted to go to ministry, but I do think there's some sense that I like to use other than, other than uh, uh, just blatantly just, you know, uh, believing something that could be true or maybe not true. Yeah, without a doubt. So it sounds like you're going to be bringing the inspiration and perspiration to the Boogie Woogie for quite a few more years to come now. Oh, yeah. And the, yeah, until uh, the person we use is until the cherry comes down for you and opens his door, and that's it. Well, then, uh, then, you, then you play wherever, wherever you go. I don't know where the next place is, but anyway, uh, at that point, I mean, you're, uh, because a lot of people say, well, what do you do to retire? I said, well, what, what, what am I going to do when I retire? What, what, is, what is there to do when I retire? I don't have a second thing that I can't wait to do. Uh, I've, been, I've been doing what I can't wait to do all my life, so uh, this is it. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, so you're just gonna keep yeah. pushing it. Well, that's fantastic yeah. to hear. Thank you so oh, yeah. much for taking the time to share well, your story and your journey with me, Kenny. Well, thank you, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. And with that, we come to another conclusion to a, another wonderful episode of the DTP. But don't worry, that's not the end of everything because we're going to be back again next week featuring Like a Motorcycle from Maritime Canada. We're going to be representing some East Coast punk rockers out of Halifax. So that is going to be very exciting. So before I leave you guys today, first off, I need to go ahead and thank the blues boss himself, Kenny Wayne for taking the time to share his journey and his story with me here on the DTP. I need to go ahead to take a moment and thank Eric for helping set up this interview. Eric has been doing a lot of great work for me behind the scenes. He's been hooking us up with a lot of great content, you guys. This man is amazing. He believes in this show almost just as much as you do, even maybe a little bit more, just by everything that he's helping me out with. So... Huge, huge ups to Eric. And of course, before we end things off, I have one more group to thank, and that is you, the listeners here of the Desert Tiger Podcast. I love you guys. I love you guys so much for everything that you do. All of you that subscribe to the show, everyone who shares these episodes, everyone who has picked up a shirt, all of you are essential to the growth of Desert Tiger. You guys are what is keeping this show going strong, passed into our second year now. That's right, we're, we, the show is one. We're going strong. We're going to keep it going strong. Everything is killing it. You guys are killing it. Everybody's killing it! All right, I got to stop. I'm just rambling now. So have yourselves an amazing weekend. Great time. Like I said, next week, like a motorcycle. Be there.